episode three of Bastard Pastors. At this point, we're, we're all pros now because we've done three podcasts, right? Yeah, I feel like we have to make a reference to Bastard every time. Well, yeah, and like a joke about that, but... Being bastards? I guess. I don't know. Church bastards? Yeah, we don't have Like, cast out, cast out by the there you go. pros yes. of church. Who wants to claim us? Um, so, before we get started, our uh, weekly installment of Things Voldemort Did... <laughs> um, like intro music or something. We do have some Voldemort intro music. I wonder, I wonder if like Time Warner would, if they're listening close enough that if we put Voldemort's theme song underneath our podcast that they would notice. And then we have like someone be like, Hadava Kadavra or something, whatever the uh, we could get you know, him the to death. Oh yeah, we could just get him to yell it. <laughs> um, we used to so our our structure for our church is we have a leadership team which we've talked about before what it means to be leaders or elders with our church and. Um, this person was on our leadership team for years as a faithful servant of the church. This is the kind of guy that does anything the church needs at every event we have, at everything we do. This person volunteers and is super, super helpful. But we, I don't think, it was probably five straight years where every time we had a leadership meeting, we started off every every meeting with a motion to cut our salaries. Cut salaries. Cut salaries. Cut salaries. And then, like, sometimes he would get other people on the leadership board. I I always assumed they were playing. Maybe they weren't. Like he would, he would get rising and waning support for the cut our salaries movement. Um, thankfully, my wife was always on the board. So <laughs> well, we anytime you have to talk about money, we have to leave, get up and like leave so that they can talk. You know, not objectively about. So we money. Up, we sit upstairs because the meeting's always at my house. And all you can hear the whole time is downstairs, like well, we cut the salaries, cut the salaries, <laughs> cut the salaries. Um, we have a long, like every meeting starts with a, with our financial statements, like looking at where we are, and but there's a graph that they always make to show us what percentage of our salary goes to things. Pac-Man. The easiest way to cut our, to, to make our church more solvent would be to cut their salaries. Um, I see some fat that needs, God, that's what he says, <laughs> some fat that needs chewed off here. Um, but it's one of those issues that is part of a, as part of a church planter world, money is a... Money's a scary part of being church planners. Well, church pastors. I feel like they've turned it into the only part. I mean, that was what our advice was, was get money, get money, get money, 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 to the point where I was just like, I'm done, man. I, I, I hate the thought. And the model is, what was it, $800,000? $800,000. $800,000. That's how much we were supposed to raise. Well, it's if you stop back and look In at 2009, it, when what, like economy's economy? crashing yeah. and... If you step back and look at it, man, the um, all the advice we got was was targeted around raising money or making more money, having enough money to pay for your things, those kind of things. And if we would have followed their advice, we would have just quit. I don't even know what I'd do with eight hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I have ideas. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd be rich. Eight hundred thousand dollars. Well, you're supposed to what? Hire five staff members. Yeah, hire staff members. Buy a band. Rent a building. Buy all your stuff. Uh, mass advertising. I think a lot of it's advertising. Like at least three hundred thousand was advertising. If we had eight hundred thousand dollars for the first year, we could have given every person in our church close to like ten thousand dollars just to hang out. <laughs> just go. Which Dude, we would not go to that church. This that, church has given up ten thousand dollars just to be there. It's not a bad idea. It's your only goal is to get people there. But you're supposed to do this slick advertising campaign and. Well, that was the thing. If you're a church planner, you're a fundraiser, and I was like, that is stupid it's dumb well and the and it's not like church planning is the only person that does that like the little place where that happened in the world my last the last church every december was 
leadership hyperventilating over not making our budget for that year. And then we would do our budgets. I My last budget at that church was like 27 pages. Um, and I actually learned how to, because those were all folks who had worked in some major like Fortune 500 companies in Cincinnati. So they were used to seeing budgets and projections and I did all that. And they thought it was the most amazing thing in the world and they really appreciated it. But it was, you had to raise all this money. We never made it. And so then they would set out the desperation letter like week two of December that says, hey, if you want to avoid paying taxes this year, it's not too late to give us your stock options, which that way you can negate money off your capital gains taxes. <laughs> and then they would make their budget like miraculously the last minute. And then the next year we would talk, they would budget an extra 10% every year just to increase the budget. Whether they needed to increase the spending or not, they would increase the budget 10% and say, well, we're budgeting on faith. We're budgeting on faith. And the good old faith year, budget. And so it seems like every every church I've been a part of has had this like this money issue. Every organization I've been a part of, when I was a school teacher, we had money issues. Well, the the giant church on the corner, they they do like every year a big giant campaign where it's like their budget's got to be twenty million dollars a year. I know, and but I don't even think it's for a budget. It's for it's always for new things, but it just goes back into budget. But they right. have to spend it a different way. The church I grew up in, they had. Uh, I think it's probably why I have issues with it. Everywhere on every sign, they had like a guy pulling his like inside of the pockets <laughs> like out. The Monopoly guy. And, yeah, and it, well, he's like a you know it was it was like a word art guy because back then yeah, it was yeah. like super cool. And it said, uh, "God's challenge, your choice, your children's future." Ooh. With like the three C's, Ooh. "God's challenge, Ooh. your choice, your children's future." Ooh, on an unrelated note, I have a rule that if you use children in your campaign, you're lying. <laughs> it's for the children. At the church I growing up, we did. His story Ooh. as history. Oh, his, we his, are so clever. His was capitalized in history, and so were you being part of his story and by giving money to donate. And then, then they got enough money to get the building built, and then the church almost died multiple times because of the stress, the financial strain of this building put on. Uh, the church's world to use like anacronyms is... Amazing. Uh, are we had we had, a pup, we had a we had a puppet ministry and it was called His Hands in Motion, but him. Nice. But your hands in motion. We had a TNT, which was teenagers needing teenagers. Nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I like, think that might have been the only one we did at that church. We've never done one here. We've never named anything here. We should do. Like, we used to make them up all the time, like really inappropriate ones. Like, what if we had like guys and youngsters? <laughs> and <laughs> we did. We did talk about getting people to, um, to if they donated enough money, we would name like our communion table after them because we don't yes. have a hall. We don't have anything. We don't have any space. We can't have, have building, like so. the Willison Hall or something like that. <laughs> we could. You could do like the, the the Mike Wayne rolling bin. Ooh, he has the Mike Wayne cup. The Mike Wayne cup that he donated. Yes, that's right. We could do, like, we can name rolling bins. We can name a drum set. We can name a product. We don't have money for any capital goods. We can name, like, shitty projectors and ripped up cords. <laughs> the the street cred trailer. Somebody <laughs> could have the trailer. Ooh, if you pay enough money, we name the band after you. <laughs> and we put up podcasts every week with yes. band music on it. <laughs> but so it's this this sort of money issue. It's And this is actually, if there is... If there's a place where God has moved, where where the miraculous has happened at Legend, it has been money issues. We've never had enough money, and we've always been fine. Right about like for years, we would get these reports every month, and there was always a red number on the month, and they would mm. it would be bad. And if things were bad, the red number was closer to us and farther away. And um, I always zone out during that part, but when he used to do red, I'd be like, 
There's red. That's not good. Red's bad. Red's bad. Um, but it's just one of those things where money and and money is a real issue. Like we have to we rent our building from the city. The city has to get paid. Although it is now September eighth, and I still haven't paid our rent this month because they probably just they don't, don't even care. I don't think they notice anymore. They gave me keys to the building. I I probably shouldn't say that aloud. That's probably not something the city wants people to know. It's pretty. It's pretty disgusting, though. I think that the the church's dependency on money when I feel like. It's the exact opposite of how it should be. Like, I get the practicality of it. Right. But. Well, to our credit, one of the things that we've screwed up and have done well in screwing up is that I think by not chasing money, by not being something we're not supposed to be, the money's always been there. Right. It's always been the thing we need. And I think about how many. Yeah, we don't mention it on Sundays. It's if, sort of arbitrarily there. If we made Justin go out and raise money every week, you could do it. You're a smart guy. Like, you're not dumb. Right. But it would kill you inside. It would just destroy you. <laughs> and how many pastors have crashed on that rock? Like, how right. many how many people have given up the ministry because they got tired of being fundraisers? Right, or just couldn't do it. Wasn't their gift mix, and we're like, well, I guess I can't do ministry. And there are some, well, there are some people that are good. Like this, that guy we met at the church plant. That was his, what his gig is. Um, he raised money for church plant. That's what um, a friend of ours that had planted a church locally that used to work at the school that we both went to. That's what he does now is right. raise funds for church, and he's good at that. Like it's. But at some time, and you see this in older models, but at some time. I always wonder, especially if you're in that guy, at what cost? So you're selling something to right. people to donate money. You go to big companies, you go to people who have a lot of money, and you're selling a type of Christianity, and most likely a type of Christianity that, that person buys into. Right. And then you have to go and find these churches or make sure these churches support that type of belief or theology or way of doing things. And at some point, it becomes not about what God has called you to and what you're doing and what... Uh, you feel led to, and it becomes, well, I need this to right. walk the line. Right? And not to say that in a critical way, man, we both got wives and children. Right. If we had to make decisions for the best, we our first ministry should be to our families. We have to make decisions the best for our families. If we were out there doing things, um, they were putting our income at risk, that were jeopardizing our wives and family. I get the right. tension there. We had a f- well, and well, I mean, but I think so. We we support a missionary, right? And he sends these updates that I always read, and <laughs> and. The thing is, he, I don't, we just decided that we believed in him. Right. We believed in whatever's doing, and he's changed like two or three times, and my thing is, I don't care. Right. I was never supporting the organization you were with. I was never we supporting the him. theology behind it. We liked you. We supported you. So I just trust that God, Jesus right. is going to do his thing through you, and I don't, I actually don't need to know, because I just trust you. And the second that we stop trusting you is the second I'm like, oh, okay, I guess uh, maybe we should do this more, but... We had a friend email us a month ago. Um, the church that he worked at had made the decision to start affirming gay marriage and homosexual folks coming to their church. And he lost out on all of his financial support. Like some other church was giving him money as a church planter. And he emailed us asking for money. And we're totally the wrong people to ask. Because we don't have any money to give. But it was one of those because, because he had fundraised, he now had to make a decision between what he what he honestly believed theologically he'd been led to do. Right. Like through prayer and study of scriptures and consultation with elders, they had come to the position that God was leading them to affirm gay folks in their church. And now he was left with a tension between, do I feed my wife and kids or do I do what I feel like God's led me to do? And to his credit, he followed where God's led him to do. Right. Um, it puts him in, but it's interesting because they're still stuck on the same model. He's just going for different groups of right. people to find. He's still fundraising. And that's where I think we have, I think ministry, and this is just my personal opinion, I think ministry is moving towards a bivocational yeah. uh, 
gig like where you just are gonna have to work another job because that's my biggest thing is you can fundraise sure or go out and get a damn job like (laughs) all right all right you want because you know you've been doing ministry as long as i have and everyone knows that there are just days and weeks sometimes where you don't got shit to do right done enough i wrote the bible study you did the thing and then there's sometimes you have way too much to do and you don't have time for anything and it comes and goes I feel like you could probably fit another job in there. That being said, we'd probably be much bigger if we both <laughs> didn't have other things that we had to do. Yeah. But uh, Or do what you did, marry rich. That's all the artists I know that are successful isn't because they're great artists, because they married rich and they can just paint and no one has to buy them. It doesn't matter. And, and my, and my wife and I talked about this a lot because I left it. I always felt like I made good money as a teacher. I know people can, I know teachers can, and I understand why teachers feel like they're not paid enough. I get it. I wish you do pay cuts. Um, <laughs> we should do pay cuts. Um, but like when I was a teacher, I felt like I was fairly compensated. I'd be making a lot more money if I was still teaching than I am today. But my wife always felt like her job was there to enable me to do things like go into ministry. Like this is the way that God has worked this out for our church and our community so that I could take a pay cut to come do this. And at the same time, stay home and be a stay at home dad with my kids and do those kind of gigs. That's interesting. This goes back to the thing we talked about last week. I still feel judged for that all the time and the need to prove myself to people that I already don't care about their approval of. Right. I know I feel the need to go out and work more hours to put in more time to fit into this model that I know is inherently unhealthy. I know this model, I know this model of working 80 hours a week, of being more productive, of trying to make more money. I know that it is anti-kingdom. That the kingdom of God is not right. found in that model. But I still feel the need to be judged by it, and then to live up to that judgment. But at the same time, if we had, if we, if this is our only gig, I don't, I, it would be crazy because mostly, like this week, uh, I spent fifteen hours from the from 10, 10 p.m. to two a.m. Right. Which would still be there whether or not I had the full time job or not. Right. Like so, right. taking away time from my family or whatever else or things I want to do. Yeah. Um. And we squeeze time in, and I feel like we're already working a ton, and we don't have, you know, set office hours. Because you had to, like, log in to your last job, right? Your church job, you had to, like, sign in. We were supposed to. No, they did that after I left. Oh, They did that after I left. Because that would be horrible. But I remember when I worked at the big church, they, uh, they, I would go surf with kids, and they would be like, hey, we, you need to spend a little bit more time in the office. And I'm like... All right, I'll sit here and order stuff online (laughs) for things we don't need. I think we need these Isn't that the thing that leads to pastors looking at porn? Like, they're just sitting around all day bored in their office. Ah, I guess I'll do this. There's nobody coming in. (laughs) Secretary's starting to look real hot. (laughs) (laughs) That was over the line. Is that Uh, a thing? Oh, okay. um, But uh, it's it's interesting. One of the things, so my, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Like, she feels the need as somebody on our board to ask good board questions like accountability questions the irs wants because we don't pay any taxes the irs wants to know that we're, we're being held accountable as we should be um but there's lots of ways where there's lots of ways where what matters in the corporate world doesn't matter for here so the idea of a 40-hour work week doesn't make any sense at legend Ooh, and that's good we talked about this one time and i thought you had good stuff you started thinking about is how do you evaluate pastors right how do you evaluate pastors it's yeah. not it can't be on some how many hours, hours you spend in the office. There's no effectiveness there's model. No, there's no efficiency model. And one of and it has to look different for every person. Yeah. Every That is the thing with pastors. There is no one job, which is I think is hard with seminaries. Is That's why I think you teach the Bible, and that's about as good you know, as you're going to get yeah. because you, you can learn there, but you can't learn 
Because everyone's different. Right. Everyone has different personalities and different things. And I thought about this a lot because I think there's a good book to be written here to help clean up or to help repair what's being done to pastors because they're trying to force the way as CEOs, as CFOs, as volunteer coordinators, as um, lawyers, as counselors, counselors, all the public speakers, historians, entertainers, uh, entertainers, and all these things. <laughs> all these. But what if, and this was sort of, this goes to, and I think this is something that we've done okay, uh, that I think we're still adjusting, is what if the church was evaluating their pastors by how closely they fit into how Jesus looked or what Jesus did? Um, and so my, my actual example of this, and I hate saying this out loud, um, my example of that is I, I tend to see Jesus as teacher, prophet, and pastor. Like I see Jesus doing those three roles all the time. And so as a church, you need to have people that are doing those things. So what does it look like to evaluate? So so my role, much more so than let Justin's, is as as prophet. Like I, I and the one pastor we talked last week about the one pastor who believed in us doing a two model, a two pastor model, that same pastor early on in my life said, Well, the reason you're so pissed off all the time is because you're a prophet. You see things that are wrong and you get mad about them. He's like, it's what Jeremiah does, it's what Ezekiel does. Yeah. Um and so, so I've taken that role seriously. What's it mean? And I think teaching comes with that, right? You see, I'm reading Ezekiel right now. You see Ezekiel constantly teaching. And I think it's, I mean, as you've seen the scriptures, it's hard to be friends with the prophet. It's hard because to be friends with the prophet. Because he's going to say something and you may or may not like right. it. <laughs> maybe it's for you or maybe right. it's not. And I think that's what the beauty of it is. Well, and I try to balance that out with the other role of as... My sort of role as pastor is as a servant. Not that I was saying it's hard to be friends with you. I was <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I was like, oh, I guess that could have been and taken the wrong way. Um, <laughs> um, but I try to balance that out with with pastor as well. And but we talked about like last week with serving. Whereas I think I think you are all pastor. You're spending right. until five in the morning, through two in the morning, talking to people, and, and that's what I like doing too. And that's what I like you're good at praying with people and meeting with people. And there was a conflict in our church last week that you sat with a couple people through a long lunch with. And I was talking to one of the people. head buried in my hands. <laughs> well, and I was talking to the people about why I wasn't there. And I said, I don't mind going, but Justin just does so much better in those kind of situations than I do anyway. I'm always going to make them worse. Because <laughs> I'm going to get some tension like, filled. Are we all best friends now? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know what awkward is. <laughs> like, I, I think awkward is always funny. Right. And then I always encourage awkward. But when, when it's really awkward, I clam up. Whereas you just yeah. power right through awkward. Yeah. And so both of us, and then we talked about this a little bit last week, both of us do the job of teacher here, uh, both through like preaching on Sunday mornings, through overseeing small groups. Um, and Which through, we need to do an episode on preaching one time because I feel like that has evolved for me and de-evolved and re-evolved. And... Yeah, I think I'm in a low place on preaching right now. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing here. Oh, yeah, see, I think I'm in a good place <laughs> with it. Whereas there's some we- there have been weeks I've shown up where I'm like, I hate it. There was actually, I think, a whole year where if you were preaching... I loved church that week, right. and if I was, I hated it. Yeah, like there was a whole year was like every time I had to go, I was mad, and people knew. Right, right. Like right. one lady came up to me one day, and she's like, uh, "Are you in a bad place? <laughs> this, this is really bad." And well, I'm like, uh. this goes back to what I was talking about a few minutes ago. I love preaching because it's deliverable. It's something I could prove I did some work right. this week. I've done, and I I try to invest real time and energy in my preaching. Um, my question with preaching lately has been. I just don't know if it's changing anything because we'll hear people listen to our sermons and if we give advice or like, hey, here's what Christians supposed to do, they won't do it. Right. Like they're just going to ignore what we say. And although that's another, that's another good like Ezekiel warning, right? Which is 
if you have told them and they don't do it, it's on them. But if you haven't told them and they and they get in trouble, then that's on you. Um, but it just goes to another idea of of us being who we are. And I feel like I feel like my, one of the biggest changes I've gone through at Legend is re understanding what it meant to be what it means to be a pastor. Like having that role recast and saying, oh, the things that I was always told to be a pastor, I'm not. I'm never going to be a CFO. I might be more organized than Justin is in terms of like scheduling and planning and details. But I'm not what this church needs for me to be in terms of this. Thankfully, we have people that are. Right. right? We have two people on our leadership team that are hyper-organized in that direction to do a nice job of right. keeping our eyes dotted and our T's crossed. Yeah. And going back to even how we're evaluated, there was a time, again, we've had so many, I mean, I think you have good years and bad years. There was a time where I had a bad year where I was like, I'm not doing anything. And so... I remember when we were like, okay, are you meeting with people? Are you doing this? I was always like, well, let me write when I do down because I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And then this year, I feel like, man, I, I always, I, I could, and I don't, I don't ever feel like reporting because I'm like, well, I don't, I don't feel guilty about anything. So, yeah, uh, which is hard. I think it's, I feel like the ebb and flow is, is very uh, organic, which is cool, but it's also makes it difficult to even gauge. Yeah, and, and I, th- we go back and forth to being good at being good at it and being bad at it. And as we're good at it, we get better. And as we get bad, like, and I think that that's, and that's true of all discipleship, right? That's right. true of all growth as a follower of Jesus is some weeks you're good at, some weeks you're bad at it. Um, Cause I feel like one of our roles has been walking with, we have these folks who are natural leaders of our church because they're great servants. They don't view themselves as leaders of the church because for so long, the church has told you that leadership looks like right. you're an A-type personality, you're president of the board. You're well, and you're like, you're the best Bible study person right. in the world. Whereas these are people day. who are, who love each other. They love their church. They love their community. They do everything that we think a follower of Jesus should do, right. but manage to not think of themselves as leaders, which for me is exactly what makes them leaders. And the people who have, the people who have sought out leadership positions have always ended up in weird places with us where it was either they didn't like, it didn't end up meeting their needs right. in terms of what they wanted to be or, or one guy's like, I should be doing this. I'm like, really? <laughs> cool. It's a, it's two more meetings a month. Right. And then they bailed. Yeah. Like then they backed out because it wasn't, I think what they expected it to be or places for them to invest their gifts, which awesome. Those are being invested somewhere else. Right. Um, and so we've been really lucky. And this probably goes back to our first episode where we talked about the two of us doing this together. There's the two of us doing church plan together, but then there's also our wives who have been, my wife shows up every week to set up our children's right. ministry. And I keep telling her, you do plenty. You don't need to volunteer. She'll be like, you're putting in your hours. You don't need to do, and she always feels the need to do more. Your right. wife's always there doing more. Um, the volunteers are like, we have, not only is the two of us always working together, there's this giant team of people that have been here since the I mean, it's going on. Right, and we've told a lot of them, like, we try to do the organization. Hey, we don't want you to have to do this every week. And they're like, well, I enjoy doing it every yeah, week. Yeah. Like, I want to come, and it's the only time I get to hang out with people. Right. And I was like, all right. Cool. <laughs> all right, never mind. Um, but if it, but it, that goes back to the same thing we talked about the first week. When you take ego out, those yeah. things get done. And and when those when those systems have imploded, it's been because ego gets in the well, way, right? Because we don't like hurt. holding one in pestles, and we do a shitty job of rewarding people, so they don't get anything right. for it. It's like yeah, we do. I forget every year because every year for the last four years we've done like a volunteer thank you. Yeah. And I always forget until like the second week of September that we haven't done that yet this year, and then try to rush to fit it in. To yesterday, I'm texting Justin saying, "Hey, we got to fit this in. Can we fit it in right now." Some leggies. Leggies. I still mine around here somewhere. You get best pastor every year. Well, you know, <laughs> the church planning assessments would disagree with all of, oh. with all of that. 
But yeah, this the idea of money is it's weird because it's just about raising or getting. Um, but they don't ever talk about like I, I see you beg, borrow, steal, like that kind of thing. Like yeah, we we beg for stuff, you just get stuff, uh, or we just end up being resourced. Even me owning a coffee shop, which I didn't ever plan on happening, it just kind of happened. I'm like, oh, well, it's been a huge resource for our church. Right. We can do meetings yep. there, we can do things there. We got our we got our trailer for free from people that would want nothing to do with us right yeah. now. And we're not a Christian coffee shop, all right. <laughs> There's another Christian coffee shop. Yes, <laughs> they can keep that title. <laughs> um, you know, so we we really did, um, and it goes to the, this idea of beg, borrowing, and stealing. Is there are things you genuinely need for your church on Sunday morning, right? There's some practical things you we needed a PA system for for our for our student. If we decided not to use a band, if we'd gone with an organ, we could have done that cheaper. We could have gotten a simple organ and then done choir songs. We decided to go with a band, and so that means you have to have PA equipment. We found people to sell that to us used. Because I'm in a I'm in a bar band that knows people in the music scene. I think it's easy to find that stuff. When our trailer when our trailer got stolen, we borrowed and borrowed and borrowed until the stuff got replaced. Um, stuff's just always worked out because we didn't make stuff the goal. Right. But what's been interesting, I don't I don't think you felt this at all. Over the last like two years, it started by people sort of whispering things in my ear, and me like loudly and angrily saying no oh right and then it coming up is that there's been this pressure towards us moving towards a building and getting a permanent place and there are people right now i can think of like three of them that really want us to have a building at this church yeah people i think get tired of the setup uh and there's a good advantages but uh there's also so many bad things about it yeah do you ever feel like it's going back to working at your old church or when you worked in the more traditional church that a building is a status symbol among churches like you have the building it oh, proves yeah. that you've arrived well uh, we've heard two people tell and they haven't it hasn't been recently but for a long time there was some people were like well a lot more people from our neighborhood would come if we actually had a place where we weren't meeting a community center and i'm like really i didn't know that that was a thing that where your church met actually mattered right but people have pride in their buildings man as we can see from the catholic church and their right. yeah anger right now but but and there's a, you know, there's just a, so, so last week or two weeks ago, there's a church in Oakley that's really struggling. And I know this is struggling and I've had it in my heart because whether other people put this there or the Holy Spirit did this, I never knew. And I said, Jesus, I don't want a building. Repeated my prayer. And I can show you the prayer journal today over and over the summer. Jesus, I don't want a building, but if you want us to have a building, fine. And so the last time I had an opportunity, I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do my best to be faithful. I feel like you're telling me to ask this question. And so I asked the folks what their operating costs on their month, their monthly operating costs, and they were like $22,000 a month. So they pay more in their building and overhead. They pay, oh, because I, I think our, our yearly budget's around $100,000. So they pay more in just building stuff than we pay for everything for our whole year wow. at our church. And we don't make $200,000 a year. No, we we could not pay for a building. But it has been this pressure for me to try to fit into this is how so successful churches are defined as churches that have lots of people mm-hmm. churches where the pastor sort of is the cool guy gets invited to speak at non-church things so do, do your high school kids want you to come and speak at the high school do your civics groups want you to come and be involved like that kind of like social recognition and then having a building proves that you're established um i know that i don't want most of those things right but i feel when i when i don't know how to evaluate it, i default back to the things 
that I was taught growing up or that I that I learned by being in the church and I find myself constantly drifting back in that direction to oh this is what we have to do to be successful right and we haven't we don't we haven't this is another place where we have failed spectacularly right and all the churches so when we went back to the church planning organizations we were with other people and we asked them to raise money with it they asked us to raise money we asked them to give us money they said no they gave money to other people We've all quit. All those people have quit ministry and within five years. There's so many people I know who were like the guys, like, oh, these are the guys we're going to give money to. And I ran into one the other day. I was like, hey, how's the church plant going, man? Oh, man, we just, we didn't last very long. I was like, oh, what happened? He And basically what he said was, I was over it. Like, people were still coming. I just was over it. And it means it wasn't making the money he wanted or, or wasn't going as fast as he wanted. And now he, like, is a salesman or something. And I'm like... So you just abandoned people? You don't even care? Like, that's... To me, I feel like people like that were just told that they were very charismatic and right. could start something. Or they had some cool youth group, and they yeah. wanted to keep going in cool youth group because they liked the way they felt. So they, they, and those are great things, right? That's a yeah. that's a cool thing. It, the ministry doesn't do that for you, though. Right. Ministry, ministry, there's a reason pastors quit so, so frequently. And if you're not in it, like, if the one thing that I think you and I have is that just we're stubborn. Right. We stick things out. Well, and I wish, I wish Bible colleges could teach more things like this instead of everyone can do it. Come on, we'll teach you just because we want money and you can, you know, build our institution. They, it was something more like it was really hard to get into and really hard to get through. Yeah. Uh, because they, they tell you what, how the reality of it is and what's going to be. And instead, they rack you with a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt yes. for a job that's going to pay. For a job that'll never pay. Nineteen or twenty thousand dollars a year. That's a long payoff time on, on that debt. You heard of Obamacare? <laughs> no, or opposed to that too. Oh yeah, dang it. Or this should be a class in every seminary that is on being a barista, since <laughs> everyone's gonna be working now or a bartender. They're all going to bartender days. now, right? The oh, which, man, ones. that is a little more lucrative than being a barista. So. More money and beer than coffee. Definitely. Um, so don't go raise money. If if you're a church planner, don't go raise money. Get another job. Don't. It's Get just, a job. My thing is, is my thing, and I think this goes to everything. Be what you're supposed to be, which is the, which is what Jesus has called you to. If you're, if you're supposed to be a prophet, go be a prophet. If you're supposed to be a pastor, go be a pastor. That might have consequences. That might mean you have to get a job as a, as a barista or as a stay-at-home dad. Or, shoot, I'm driving for Uber right now, um, which is a terrible way to make money. You can't make any money driving for Uber. Um, Launder money through a local motorcycle gang. Right. That's. Um, I'd do it. I'd do it right now. I tried to get in a motorcycle game. They didn't want me. Mm. <laughs> I was too honest. They didn't want a pastor because they didn't believe in God. <laughs> which is which is fair enough. The guy that I pointed out that he wouldn't be running drugs and prostitutes right. if he believed in God. That's a logically coherent system, anyway. Um, but so if we, you know, the the thing that we sort of have stayed with and struggle with is we continue just to be ourselves and to let that let the chips fall. I think, and I think that's what we said from the beginning. This is who we are. If you don't want to be a part of that, don't be a part of it. And there are people who have said, now we're out. Don't yeah. be a part of that. And, um, and you know, there's giant churches in our neighborhood. There's great there's great other churches in our neighborhood, both evangelical and traditional and old and young. There's other places. And sure, some of them hate women. <laughs> don't worry. All, all, all three of the churches I'm thinking of, women are allowed to be in leadership positions. Yeah. We're the feminist church. We are the feminist church. And, like, the gay church. And the, we're everything. <laughs> Which is why we don't have any money, <laughs> because the whole church won't give us any money. But if you asked us if we were 
your type of belief and you would give us money for that. Yep. Right now. If a Baptist organization said they'd give me money, yeah, I'm, I would. I'm Baptist. Right now. Southern. Catholic. Yep, Orthodox. Catholic. I've got the beard. Got it. Whatever you want. And now, again, the pastor who gave us advice that we could do this as a team told us to lie, cheat, and <laughs> I put beg, borrow, and steal. <laughs> His advice is to lie, cheat, and steal your way to whatever people will give you. Because they'll never ask. They'll never ask for any accountability, which is an interesting factor in and of itself. I bet they would now, though. I bet yeah. with the economy changing so much, I bet people are locked down on what money is and those kind of things. Right. Yeah, because for me, it's the church isn't some startup that we need to crowdfund as much as, oh, it's a real authentic community of faith, and God's going to provide how He provides. Well, and the and I think this is true for both of us. And this actually would be my question for everybody who says they're a pastor. If your church couldn't pay you, would you still pastor them? If the answer is no, you're not a pastor. Ooh, that's a good one. But the the answer for both of us is yes. Yeah. Now, we might put less hours in. If you let me, let me check through all the churches I've worked at. No, 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 and yes. Right. It, <laughs> tomorrow, if you said, Legend doesn't have any money, we can't pay you guys anymore, we would still say, okay, but we're still the pastors here. It just means we're not... We're not doing as much right. outreach. We're not spending much time with people one on one. We don't. We aren't meeting for breakfast like we did this morning, um, because our schedule wouldn't allow that. But we would still consider ourselves a pastor. We would work here yeah. for free. We probably shouldn't say that because this will be the first thing at our next cut the salary meeting. <laughs> I just heard. I just heard. <laughs> These idiots said they do it for free. Why do we pay them? We'd actually we could buy a building if they didn't pay us. It's true. And then we'd have to, then we would be janitors because there would yeah. be no money to take care of the building. We would be cleaning toilets, and sweeping up. You motherfuckers need Jesus!